0: You're about to listen to a true story told live because this is True Stories Live. Brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Art Centre and me, Molly Naylor. a few of you. So I feel I feel slightly as if people have heralded such amazing heroes so far tonight. Mothers, fathers, life givers um, and I'm going to talk about my hero who was a 19 year old dickhead called Tim. Um, so um, ooh, that's all that's coming off don't worry. Um, so Tim has been my hero since I was about 14, and we met at a house party. And Tim is that friend that you have who you love, um, and then gets wasted and turns into an absolute prick. (laughs) And if you're sat there going, we don't have a friend like that. It's you. But Tim was just super cool, man. Like, growing up, he was like a sort of proto, I suppose, like, emo, indie, scene kid, hipster. He was amazing. He, like, used to dress all in black. I'd never seen him wear any sort of color. He had the the fringe, he had black jeans that had skeleton handprints on the bum. Now, at 16, if you can pull that off, you are worthy of heroics, okay? I wonder whether hero is possibly the wrong word. Maybe it's more like idol. Maybe I, I, I idolized him. He seemed to have everything. He had clear skin, he had a full beard. He had this personality that was both addicted and addicting, uh, and addictive. He was addicted to everything. He was addicted to fun, to booze, to drugs, and everybody, and he was addictive to everyone else to girls, to me, everyone was just fascinated by him. He could do the worst thing to you. He could sleep with your girlfriend, and the next day, somehow, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, he's just really nice. He makes me feel good inside. He just had this charm about him that made you feel like he could get away with anything. And um, so we sort of grew up at these house parties in North London, and then we graduated to, you know, being 18 and starting to go out to clubs. And... Um, the summer when we were 19 in 2012, we, um, we sort of went along this sort of parade of clubs on Tottenham Court Road. Um, there was one called Punk, there was one called The Roxy, and then there was this one called The Den, which was the worst place in the world. But you get in for three pounds before 11 p.m., so we went. And um, we went one night middle of the summer, really hot, this sort of stickiness that is like clings to you within the club, low ceilings, smoke machine that gets caught in your throat, barman that won't make eye contact, and, and Tim disappears. And so it's, he's left me, his girlfriend Abby, um, my friend Molly, and her boyfriend Elliot. Now Elliot is a drug dealer. How did he meet Molly, you ask? Dealing drugs. Um, but he's a lo- lovely boy. <laughs> Very sweet boy. Um, so there's the four of us in the club, and Tim's, Tim's gone AWOL. And I was like, where is he? And Elliot goes, oh, he's, he's gone to pick up MDMA. And so well, I'm sort of sat there being like, yep, half of the course for Tim, that's fine. So, but he's, he doesn't come back. And so we're all in, in the club, and Abby, his girlfriend, starts to get worried. And so I go, why don't we just go and check in the smoking area? You might be in the smoking area. So we go out onto the street where the smoking area is. Elliot goes for a wander up onto Tottenham Court Road. And we just sit there. The girls are having a cigarette. And then Elliot comes back. And Elliot says, we need to go. And I said, why? He said, I've just seen Tim being put in a police van. Turns out what happened is Tim went to pick up two grams of MDMA and on the way back, decided to take some of it. Now, I don't know how accustomed you are with London's thoroughfares. Tottenham Court Road, quite a popular one. Not the ideal place to be taking narcotics. And so two policemen just wandering past, being like, the shit are you doing? Like, did did you just want, he's just in like a tiny little alcove. So they pick him up, they put him in the back of a police van, and Elliot comes back. Now, obviously, Elliot is the expert in these matters. And um, so he says, we should, we should go and go home, just try and figure out where he's gone, he'll call us. And so we're on the, on the bus home and Abby is freaking out because she's like, my boyfriend is in prison, like what's gonna happen? And also he was picking up drugs for her. So it's very important, two grams, that, can, that sits in the liminal space between possession, which is for your own use, and intent to supply. Okay, two very different things holding different sentences or repercussions. And um, so we're sat on the the bus and Elliot is like reaching over to Abby going like, don't worry, it's fine, it's only a couple of grams, he's never been in trouble before, it'll be fine. So he's saying that to her and then he's whispering to me, mate, that could be eight years, eight years, mate, that could be eight years. So we get home and about 3 a.m. I get my first phone call from prison. And it's Tim, obviously. And um, (laughs) I'm Gary. Uh, I just uh... and he um, and he says he says, well, they've not they've not charged me with anything yet. They're keeping me here. I don't really know what's going to happen, but I'm sure it's going to be fine. Don't worry. It's fine. Abby crashes at my house. Molly and Elliot go home. We go to sleep. Wake up the next morning because my phone's ringing, and it's Tim's dad. Tim's only 19 at this point. He still lives at home. And he said, and so I pick up the phone and I go, "All right, Mike." He goes, "Lewis, you, are you with Tim?" And I said, "No, no, I'm not." He said, "Do you know what's happened to him?" And I said, "No, I don't." He said, "Well, you were with him last night." I said, "Yeah, we got we we got we got separated." And he said, "Lewis, we know Tim has been arrested." Because what happened is that the police send a policeman to your door to check if the the, the address that you've given them is the right address. However, Tim's an adult. His mum answers the door. The policeman tells them nothing about Tim. They just say, is this where Tim lives? And they go, yes. He goes, great, have a good day. (laughs) And just buggers off. So they're sat there being like, well, what do we do? And so they call me, and they put me in the, in the enviable position of between rock and hard place, and I'm sat there being like, well, what do I, what, like, what do, I do? And I said, yeah, we th- right, okay, we think he's somewhere in Charing Cross. That's where we were. Like Tottenham Court Road, Charing Cross, sort of way, probably there. Tim, meanwhile, is in a cell, and an hour passes between his dad calling me and what happens next. A lawyer walks in, and Tim now apparently has a lawyer and it's because his dad called round everybody else and everybody else's parents. So he calls Abby's dad. Abby's dad is a lawyer. Abby's dad is a human rights lawyer. Abby's dad is one of the most successful human rights lawyers in the UK. Abby's dad represents a man, we'll just say he likes to spend a lot of time in an embassy. (laughs) And he is being dragged down on a Saturday morning to get a 19-year-old off a drugs charge. So he walks in and he he sorts it out. The best bit about all this is that for confidentiality reasons Abby's dad can't tell Abby's mum why he doesn't like Abby's boyfriend. <laughs> and I suppose the end of this story is a question For myself about whether I still think of Tim as a hero because I saw that hero fall I saw this this person who seemed indestructible this person who seemed like he could get away with anything who could charm his way out of everything and then I suppose he did he got the privilege that being a white boy from North London affords you and he, he, he got out of that but I hope you're sort of wondering well maybe maybe he's changed That was six, seven years ago. Last time I saw Tim was New Year's Eve 2017. He now works for the Ministry of Defense. His eyes were the size of dinner plates.